Hey, one quick thing before we get started. I just want to remind you that this podcast is for information, education, and entertainment. It is not a substitute for therapy or therapeutic intervention. If you find yourself in crisis, please visit your local emergency room or contact a crisis hotline. everyone it's LaShonda from Labors of Love and you're listening to the Labors of Love podcast uh no doubt we got a dope dope conversation headed your way today uh my guest today is another one of my CHJL cohort siblings and I'm super excited to talk to Daniel Pinilla hi Daniel Hey, Shonda. How are you? I'm excited to talk to you, too. I'm doing well. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here. And I, um, yeah, all the places we go. (laughs) So we'll see where we end up. (laughs) But I'm going to start with you, like I do all of my guests, and ask, what is your labor of love? Yeah, thanks so much for that. Um, My labor of love that I'm bringing to space today is uh, continuously loving and celebrating myself in the present. Mm-hmm. that um has been my focus in the last few years and last months and I think everything that I do kind of goes back to that like how do I love myself how do I celebrate myself uh in where I'm at on my journey now and so when you think about loving and celebrating yourself as a journey as you've described it what would you say um, what's the impact of that on life? So there's the impact of loving and celebrating yourself on yourself, but it is the impact of loving and celebrating yourself on other people, the work you're doing, your environments. How does that anchor into a broader labor of love for you? Yeah, thanks for that. I think too, I think just to give it some context too, when I first started thinking about the question, my mind went to my impact on others, right? My mind went to like, okay, I need to to make sure I have this, like my love for, for people in my life, my my family, my my friends, my colleagues, the siblings we have coaching, make sure that I'm showing up and being present. So my mind, my first instinct was that, and that's where I had to pause and had to shift and be like, wait, what actually causes me the what causes me some work what causes me some pause that I've been really focused on is how do I turn that outward into the inward first so I think that in itself has been the biggest shift right like reminding myself and 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 awakening to that like in order to be able to give to others your cup has to be full right like that whole saying and I think I'm understanding that in a deeper way so going back to what you asked about the impact on others I think it's it's allowing me to show up in a present way in a Daniel without attachment, without parts, without judgment in a Daniel that is capable of receiving everything that's being given to me. Like I'm learning to love differently, like because I'm learning to receive love differently. Like now love on me, like doesn't make me cringe a little bit or doesn't make me go, Oh no, what I have to do. Or like, I hope I can show them all that I do. Like, in an interesting way, it's taken the work off of my ability to give outwardly 
to my community, to to the earth, right? Loving the earth, being in relationship with all that. I appreciate that. Um, I feel like at some point throughout many of the podcasts, like we, my guests and I will arrive at this conclusion and it feels nice to start kind of where in some ways I end with other folks, which is this idea and understanding of what, um, what am I thinking? Like, cause yeah, what and why it's necessary for us to tend to self. And, and so to be able to hear you say that loving and connecting and celebrating self then leads to an a more effortless way in which you can love connect and celebrate others is so key now we are not taught that in our current Mm -hmm. culture because if we were taught that then we would stop feeding capitalism so much we would stop feeding the systems um so yeah i appreciate that what came to mind for me as well was this thought of, I think when people show up in the way that you're talking about, it is a permission giving that starts to ripple throughout our environments and our, our connections and our communities, because I think people are so unaccustomed to seeing what you're talking about Mm -hmm. that isn't framed and received in things like selfishness or narcissism and things like that. So let's take a minute and like, let's dissect that for a little bit, right? Because I have seen and I witnessed so often, um, I'm gonna do a little PSA on the side. Um, I really do get super annoyed when folks use psychological diagnoses to, as descriptors for people's behavior. (laughs) You're so OCD. And I'm like, can we not do that? Because what we don't do is we don't say like, oh, my God, you're so hypertension. Like, oh, my goodness, you're so high cholesterol. Like, we don't do that because it sounds ridiculous, right? right. <laughs> um, right. It sounds absolutely ridiculous. And so I yeah. wish we could hear how ridiculous it sounds to do that. But, okay, PSA over. Soapbox is put up for just yeah, another appreciate second. That. Appreciate that. But, yeah. you know, I have seen this idea. I've seen it a couple ways. One uh, at the end of, as someone has transitioned and died, there's a memorial or a funeral or an obituary. And people say things about folks. And I know this, this they said about a lot of folks, but I'm going to bring it all the way back to like older black women. And it's like the height of accomplishment for the deceased older black woman was that she was selfless, that she put everyone before herself. That she, these are like badges of honors that people are giving to people um, posthumously. Did I say it right, Jay? So posthumous, listen, I think the word should be pronounced posthumously because I'm saying after him, but whatever. Um, <laughs> after <laughs> yeah, they yeah, die, we want to, we want to, we want to leverage these badges of honor that says this person did not take care of themselves. They took care of everyone else. So I see it in that way. And then I see people, um, who are interpreting a person as a narcissist or having narcissistic yeah. traits. Um, and yeah, and sometimes I'm curious. I'm curious because sometimes my evaluation with the limited knowledge that I have, maybe as someone on social media or something, is like, oh, they set a boundary. 
And so now mm-hmm. they're a narcissist, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. as a person who spent 12 years with a person with a lot of narcissistic characteristics, um, I'm not downplaying that at all, but I'm wondering how you're finding geolocating yourself within that spectrum when you say right now and for a couple of years, you've been focusing on loving yourself, celebrating yourself and how that differs for what we might see in society being called selfish or narcissistic. Yeah, thank you for bringing that in the conversation, because that was a big part of why I wanted to bring this up with you as well, too, because it is a labor. It is work because of what you mentioned, just those when I start thinking about it, all those parts of am I being selfish? Am I being narcissistic? Am I self-diagnosing myself with these things that society already wants to put us put on us so quickly, right? Um, am I letting my family down? Am I continuing the legacy and also bringing in, uh, you know, I'm a Latino male, the oldest in my family. From my maternal side, I'm the oldest grandchild as well, grandson as well. So that in itself has an impact, this impact to, for me, in the way that it's manifest my family has to, to do, to do and give, to be, to show up, to be there. So that weight of that responsibility has been something that I've carried naturally, right? And so it's that, and then on top of that, that the society pressure that questions when you're doing it, what are your reasons for doing it? Like, how are you valuing? Are you really doing it for you or are you doing it for the clout? Are you doing it for the gram? Are you doing it for, you know what I mean? And then internally I go like, yeah, that's right. Am I showing up enough? It feeds into the the questioning myself. And I guess all those cycles that you, and the ripple, you also introduced ripples, which I love too, because that's something that was also in my mind as well. The ripples of the, am I impacting? How am I impacting? Is it is it in a way that is actually truly beneficial to others and to myself? So because all those things come up and give my body the chills when I think about saying, I love myself, I'm happy with myself and what I'm doing. That's to me why it's a labor, right? That's why the work is nonstop. That's why my intentionality when I wake up is trying to really reframe my thoughts to what loving myself looks like today. Today to love myself, I'm going to do this one thing, right? I'm going to sit down for five minutes and just reflect on what I'm grateful for. Today, loving myself looks like I'm going to put work aside for a little bit and call my mom. You know what I mean? Today, love like, so that for me is the importance of it because it's so easy to start putting it into a, a box for other people to dissect. Or I just learned this thing in, in, in one of my conversations in, in my therapy, actually, which blew my mind, the, the inner audience, right? Like spending so much time thinking about what I think other people are going to think about the way I love myself. And I'm not spending any time actually loving myself <laughs> and being okay with myself. So I think that's what keeps coming to the top for me when I say why it's a labor of love and why it's a consistent reframe for myself is it also i i believe that i'm going to continue one of the things i value and one of the things i believe is i'm going to continue to grow and continue to change my relationships are going to change because the people that i'm surrounding myself are going to change and that's the other reason why it's like it's not something that like i did this and now i feel good about it and my work is done i love myself because tomorrow i'm going to wake up and be like oh this other part came up can I love that part too? Can I ask that part to soften? Can I move in? 
so much. I appreciate what you said and so much stirred up for me. One, I just kind of was thinking about this in-between space and this vacillation that I do between understanding how in um, enmeshed in capitalism I am. And so there's an individuality to capitalism that exists that is, you know, that I can recall even throughout the schooling that says, and okay, I'm gonna pause and just give my little asterisk that I do when I talk about capitalism. I want to acknowledge that capitalism is why I can own my own business. That's yeah. why I can have the freedoms that I have. When I'm talking about this, I'm talking about how capitalism is racialized and how it is exploitive mm -hmm. and how it, it feeds itself um, in a way that often requires us if we're to have success based on their matrix to abandon our humanity. So I just want to be clear, like, you know, I am talking shit about capitalism. I'm also recognizing the benefits <laughs> that I get from it. Um, but going throughout schooling, everything was so individualistic, right? Here's the lesson. Do your work, do your homework, take your test, get your grade, succeed in this way. And then I think about um, what I believe lives inside of me epigenetically, intergenerationally, ancestrally, which is this idea of tribal communal living and how within the within the community, within the tribe, like everyone did their part and their part was their part. Yeah. Um, as a healer in this current iteration of my life, I think about had I lived in a different time, my livelihood would not have been my sole concern. The community would have made sure that I ate and took care of me because I provide my essence and my service to the community. And so balancing how do I stay connected to what I need to to make sure people are healing and how do I make sure that I'm eating and hydrating? I those things, community took care of community. And there are these aspects. So I, I see myself in the middle of all of that. And you coming from a Latina family. Like, I I feel like there is a level of communal living that your culture has been able to preserve, even here in on this continent, in ways that I haven't witnessed a whole lot of other um, cultures be able to preserve that in a way. So when you talked about being the oldest grandson, being the oldest male in your family, like, what are some of the roles and how do you do that dance between you know, being born and raised here under this individualistic, go get it, you know, the fact that you were assigned male at birth and you live in a male identifying body, like what are, what, what impact did that have along with you still being very close to your family who live pretty communally? So this idea of what is my responsibility to my family, like all of that living in one body. Talk to us about that. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, and my yeah my I'm very close to my family my 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 parents house is is the hub right in Orange County and, and it's very intergenerational we have my grandmother right now who's 86 and we just welcome my newest nephew who is today four days old uh, and, and my sister and brother-in-law staying at my parents house to get that what you're talking about that community mm. healing that support like physically mentally emotionally spiritually that that love so um, that has always been a part of my identity um, and almost to a fault in the sense where I, a lot of the work of self-love has also included separating myself from my identity as as the, the oldest son, as the oldest sibling. Mm. 
um, because everything that I do, and I don't, I don't think this won't, this will change, but every decision that I make, I, I automatically, one of the first thoughts is how is this going to impact my family? That I, how is this going to impact the legacy of my family? When I have children, if that's part of that's coming up, like how am I setting up the, this legacy to go? So it, it was part of the work of loving myself was doing what you said was in some ways being like, that is an identity that I carry, that I will always carry but it's not my full self. And I give love to that. And, and a big part of loving myself and the work, the healing work has been that relationship and that identity. And, and also what that means to be a Latino male that's in the household, the, the, the level, there's levels of patriarchy, there's level of machismo that naturally come into play. There's, there's level of levels of colorism and racism that are, have started to develop as I've entered these journeys of creativity and of healing and these spaces of, of working through those things. And my siblings and I being born here and, and having access to healing modalities that my parents th didn't have right and and now realizing how young my parents were uh when when they had me right like at my age they had four kids like teenagers and, and they were doing the damn thing I'm like how did you do it so unpacking all the th the process kind of be started with unpacking becoming aware identifying all the things that are problematic in my family all the things that have made didn't cause me um i had a really great childhood with lots of love but i'm starting to with, with unattached emotion to that experience sit back as my healed self as myself that's loving myself as my higher self now replaying those stories and identifying oh that's problematic that can be problematic and here's something that i can do about that or okay that's problematic and triggering it's not my work to do, but here's how me doing my own work is helping that within the family. Because now when my grandma makes that comment about the size of a nose, the color of a skin or something, I can say, hey, we don't worry about that. Or, hey, with what I have with my mom and dad, it's like, do you know that actually where that comment actually stems from in society and the impact that that has? And here's something that we can say that doesn't leave those those three those traumatic kind of moments and feelings or or make someone nervous system go like this. And then sometimes in the process that has also been like, but we're doing it for love. Like we don't mean it. It's not serious. It's kind of a joke. And even that within those conversations of like, I know you don't mean it this way, but this is an impact that it's having. So I think that like identifying that yes, my role comes with a pressure, but my role also comes with my identity family that I'm, I'm, I love and I'll always you know bring into everything I do comes with an ability to bring in that change and bring in the possibilities and bring in the healing. And that's why I go back to the importance of me standing in who I am right now, loving myself and my experiences, continue to put myself in those places that will allow me to feel self-love so I can come back into the spaces and not cringe and not feel like I can't share, not feel like everything has to be a lesson or a healing moment, but we can just be together. Mm.
So I'm going to come in on the on probably a slightly other side of the spectrum. Feel free to join yeah. me if that feels relevant to your experience. But can for just a second, I talk about how utterly exhausting it is to be one of the only people doing your work within a family system. Like, can can I can I just be real? And, and just because it's like yeah. it's it's fresh for me based off of some things that have happened recently within my own family that. I I didn't sleep well last night. And when I tell you Shonda gets her sleep, <laughs> Shonda gets her sleep. Like it <laughs> it takes it takes a significant amount of something to disrupt my sleep. Um and and there was no finite thing that I landed on. I was just up, but I was sleepy. And I'm like, "Man, I want to go to sleep, but I realized that there was just a lot churning in my body and and what I what I was kind of being with, I was trying not to think my way out of it you know, distract, be with it. But I I just want to name that cycle breakers, you know, uh, people who declare that the generational trauma stops here, people who've said, you know, I'm going to do this work for my lineage going forward and backwards. Like, I see you. I really do. I, I see you and I feel you in my body because... It, it it gets to be, it can be frustrating. Like I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated because I think to some, my life, I'm, I'm gonna speak just for me, but I know it's gonna have resonance because it always does. I, I don't even know where to start. I'll, I'll, I'll start from the fact that like I had to call one of my, my dear friends, Kara Michelle, Pearson after talking with family and she was so helpful in listening but then she reminded me of a few things one she reminded me that um I needed to feel my feet on the floor and I needed to settle into my body and then when I settled into my body I realized that I was more sad and hurt than I was angry yep cool she also reminded me that like I get to feel what I feel but it's not mine to carry and most importantly, she reminded me that I operate off of chosen family and that I, I I have chosen in the past and I can choose now and I will get to choose in the future. And that felt good. But I think the biggest thing that helped me was the fact that she was helping me understand why things felt the way they felt. It's because I don't intentionally and deliberately put myself in relationship with folks who can't, who who aren't capable of doing their own work. I feel like I have a fair amount of grace for the path, the pace, the intensity of that work, but it's so rare that I'm 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 in connection with someone who can't appreciate the reflection I give them because I'm a reflector. Right. Right? And 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 I'm pretty um I try to loosen my um expectation around what people do with that but it's just hey like I've come to realize I'm a reflector I'm a seer and so what I'm allowed to see and what I reflect back almost always provides the person I'm talking with who I'm giving that reflection to an opportunity to go oh either I know this about myself and thank you for seeing me or "Mm, I hadn't thought of that thank you for pointing it out and again once someone is able to receive the reflection, again, I, I kind of divorce myself from the outcome of what they do with that. Mm-hmm. 
But to be with someone who in so many terms is saying F your reflection, that's foreign. (laughs) (laughs) That's weird. That that's discombobulating. That's that it, 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 it's like, whoa, wait, what? So then I find myself like, okay, let me try again. Maybe let me say it this way. Let me say it this way. And then I, I think part of it is just realizing that, oh, everybody ain't ready for that. Mm. And, and I think the, the dis-ease that I feel with that is for the common stranger, okay. For my family, I'm like, nah, <laughs> I need you to get this. And, and I also have had to sit with my own, like, I don't get to do that. Mm. I don't get to do that. You know, I'm trying to re, um, what am I saying? I I'm trying to remember that, um, what I have is an offering when I can settle into how I show up in the world, my gift, my purpose, and I can see it as an offering, then I'm less attached to people who don't take it. Um, and, and when it comes to family or people you love, like sometimes we want to be like, strap them down. <laughs> they going to get this healing they going to get this revelation they going to get this right and 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 i i want to acknowledge and own that's where i found myself yeah like take this do something with it come on you know and then i i start to think oh the way i'm showing up with you is how other people have reflected i show up with them like i i represent a possibility like oh that's possible but it it it's it's occurring to me that Sometimes, particularly within our family structures and and family dynamics, we don't always represent possibility. We represent um, a threat. Yeah, we represent a threat to how things have gone for so long. We represent, you know, a, a big beaming light coming in to expose all the dark, dirty, you know. And 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 I just want to sit and acknowledge, like that's scary. I need to acknowledge yeah. that. Um, but yeah, like on one hand, I hear you, you come in and you become this conduit of change through love that says, ah, hey, we don't need to worry about that. Or are you aware? And I feel like I, I can operate in that space. But there are other times when I'm trying to beat down walls, tear down doors. And I just want to acknowledge like one, I want to get it off my chest. That's why I do the podcast. I want to talk about what I want to talk about. But the other thing <laughs> yes. is, is to represent the spectrum of where you and I find ourselves today in this moment, yeah. everything in between and things that lie even on the extremes on the outsides of where we are. So I just wanted to share that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I just want to say, go back and and acknowledge and, and thank you for the soul hug. I felt it. I feel seen. I see you. And I think naming the, the, the generational lineage healers and changers and breakers and that, is maybe the bottom line also connection of what my labor of love is is that like owning that role and that to me is how i i see myself being able to do that right is by loving myself showing up fully taking the time to bring in all the gifts and blessings that i i'm possessing 
in sharing and then, and then all the tools and crafts that I'm learning as I go through my day to day. Um, and also thank you for bringing into the, the chosen family. Um, cause that just as important because not everyone has, is born into a family that allows them or gives them space to explore and change and, and supportive and, and that even though there's conflicts and all, I think the ability to work through it together. Um, and sometimes chosen family does that for us. Like I know I have a very specific, like handful of chosen family that I can go to in a way that I can't go to my family. They know me a way that my family does it. And that's so important to me too. And to have that space, um, as you were saying that, and, and as we're kind of like diving into this, this, the importance of, for the, the challengingness also of what family is in our lives here, it goes back to something you said earlier too, about healing and in our current society, it feels like healing is something that is separate from our community, our family, chosen or not our tribe. Back in the day, back in the day of our ancestors, elders, healing, I don't even think I've, I've thought about this, like in some way, like it wasn't a thing that was thought about. It didn't need to be a labor of love that was had you had to stop and be like, how is healing showing up for me? Or like, I need healing. It was built into the fibers of how people lived in together, how you what your relationships look like, how you communicated because you were living in a way where you understood that the well-being of someone else depended on your choices or maybe not even dependent, but was affected by what you do and how you walk your path. And that was seen as, as something that in a way was like, you honor that. I honor you because I know that what you're doing is going to somehow impact. If we did, like, I truly believe, like, if it didn't, then we wouldn't be connecting. Like there, that's the reason we connect because our ripples are going to impact each other. And then our ripples are going to impact someone else. So I think back then, like it wasn't something that like caused a lot of stop or pause. Cause there was an issue. Like you worked it out while you were cooking together and sharing a meal, right? There was dance and music and the arts were naturally ingrained in everyone's day to day intergenerational interaction, communal, like, taking care of the children and taking care of the elderly. That was the way we live together as, as a community. Now, fast forward to now, the reason why I think it's, I see it as my labor of love and have to, because it's not something that is easy, easily accessible. Like my family and I don't just naturally sit and be like, here are my traumas for the day. Here's what I need for you to heal. I need you to understand. Here's what I need for me to heal. I need you to understand this. Great. Can we all accept this? Let's move forward in that way. Let's all readjust our nine to five schedule and our work and our financial situations and the distance that we travel to see each other so that we can make our healing a priority. It's just not accessible like that, right? Yeah. So I go then again, thank you for introducing like, again, so we go to our chosen family. So we choose to be in situations that are more, that feel more safe, that feel more uh, authentic to who we are and what we need and what we grow. And then we dip in back and forth and we go. Also releasing the need to heal my family, my legacy is something that is, I'm currently in the middle of. Like, yes, I accept it. Yes, I own it. It's not my responsibility. And in the way that it's going to happen is by me living and walking and seeing the beauty around me on the daily. 
And somehow, I have to believe, I do believe, I wake up and believe, somehow if I do that, that's gonna, that's gonna turn up positively for my nephew that's four days old, right? Somewhere down the line, me doing this podcast with you, Shonda, is gonna come up in a conversation that I have with my nephew that's four days old today. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. I, yeah, I love that. And as you were talking, um, what I was reminded of is kind of, I keep digging with my frustration, you know, I was like, I'm frustrated, I'm frustrated. I settle more into my body and realize, you know, oh, I'm sad, I'm hurt. Um, but then at the core of all that, there is a fear. And, and for me, that fear is, you know, what we don't feel, what we don't face and feel we can't heal. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I would describe my family as having a legacy of secrecy. This is not specific Mm -hmm. to me. This is so you know, a lot of people will resonate with this. Oh yeah. Latino families. We, we know a thing or two you about know, family secrets. Come on. It's, and it's, yeah. it's, it's what's so interesting is um, my cousin and I uh, shout out to Steph. Steph actually does my social media for labors of love. You know, Steph and I are only three years apart and yet we've only come um, connected in adulthood, but that's wild because like, My mom and her dad are first cousins and spent most of their lives together. So we're sitting kind of in this space of like, where's the disconnect? Like, Mm -hmm. how, how did we get here? Why? Like we feel drawn. We are, we're committed as adults to like being family, but like, why is it this labor we're going into what happened? So we sit and we say, well, I'm like, let's try to piece some of this together. I tell you what I know, you tell me what you know. She knew far less than I knew. But I to be fair, my memory is 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 different. So I've been accumulating these stuff probably over the last 20 some years with one comment here, log it away. One story here, log it away. So it's no one has sat down and told me that. And what the fear is is you tell yourself something long enough, the brain goes, that's the truth. And when something happens within a family dynamic that gets secretified, new word, um, the 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 alternate telling of the reality is what gets passed down from generation to generation. But the math don't be mathing. And I'm that's like, right. mm, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense to this. So is let's figure this out and then what starts to happen is you start uncovering uncovering these secrets i think the fear for some family members particularly the elder family members is it became a secret in the first place to avoid shame to avoid these difficult challenging things so here i am considerably younger asking too many questions probing too much because they're afraid that unlocking the truth is going to unleash everything they were trying to avoid in the first place and i'm like i from a from a brain body perspective i get that and they did they're dead mm-hmm. they're gone mm-hmm. i'm not mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not digging 
to uncover all the bad stuff to blame, I keep saying over and over again, my children deserve me to know the truth. So we don't keep repeating. And and when I can take a, a few steps back and look at my family, there are some generational uh, cycles. Some people call them generational curses that repeat without fail. I'm talking in a way that will blow your mind. You're like, whoa. And then this one, and then this one, and then this one. And what I'm saying is I'm turning around square and I'm saying, not my babies. I absolutely refuse. And the only way for this to not pass down is for me to turn and face it. Cool. I'm going to turn and face what I know is there. The the, the part that hurts me, the part that makes me afraid is I can't turn and face the things y'all won't tell me are here. I can't, I can't do the diligent work of protecting my lineage going forward if there are these things masquerading as one thing, but they're really something else. So my endeavor to get to truth is because I don't want it repeated. Yeah. Right? I don't want it repeated by me. If it's too late for me, I need to know that that thing I thought was an isolated incident in my life actually has gone back 10 generations. Whoa. Whoa. So I'm willing to do the sacrificing of stopping, of doing the work to stop it, but I can't stop what I don't know it's there. And so, you know, that was coming up for me, you know, as you were Mm. talking. So I just wanted to throw that out there. No, I appreciate that. Um, Yeah. So many things, the chills in my body are coming up because yes, all of that, I relate to all that. I understand. I think I, I also bringing in fear to the conversation and bringing in that love doesn't always mean beautiful doesn't always mean it's easy. It's butterflies. It's this, it's healing. It's a, it's a straight line path to the light, right? It's all these twists and turns. It's all these uncovering. It's all these unknowns, all these moments of like, I can't do that physically. I can't do that. I don't have the time. I can't do that because I don't want to do it. Right. Like I don't want to do that work to ask those questions. I can't find those people to ask those questions. And I think as I'm experiencing that in in my own like lineage and family and still really holding on to this idea that I do have the ability to change the course of my lineage for the better. Right. And that's kind of a value that's deeply ingrained in me and kind of how I live, live my day to day. It's one of those things where I'm just kind of going into, and then I'll going into like in the present moment. And this is where I go back to like, it's a labor and it's me checking with myself everything, every day and every moment and every like season and every time something big happens, positive or negative, where am I and what do I need to continue to have enough ability to say, I can handle this right now. I can't handle this right now. This is my piece of it. This is someone else's piece. Am I okay with going deep and being spiraling down and, and, and needing to reach out to my chosen family for support and being like, yo, I'm going through it. Like this just happened. I'm going through it. I feel this. I feel this. I need some support. I need some vent. I need some something reaching out to my healers. Like, yo, I need a limpia. Like I need to, I need all this stuff off. Cause I need that. Do I feel capable of being doing, doing that or is me going down this path going to take me more to somewhere where I get frozen, I get stuck, where I'm stagnant, 
And on a personal level, that's probably one of my biggest fears is being stagnant, is not being able to move, not being able to change, not being able to continue to want to find possibility and transformation. So I think I'm coming to this place of like, yeah, and I hear you. And I think the way that I kind of move towards that is, is um, again, going back to the like, it's not all mine to change, but if I do my damnedest to like filter it as best I can, or to put a like, I'm going to put an all stop right now. I'm going to put a boundary. I'm going to put up this, like, I'm going to reroute the, where this river is floating and I'm the dam in this, in this story, then that's where I'll put my energy. Right. And then going back further and being like, okay, what does that mean? That means I have to have this really uncomfortable conversation. That means I need to be vulnerable about my feelings. That needs to, that needs, that means I need to share the secret or the story that has been locked away in my heart because I felt if it came out, it would cause ripples for other people. It would make other people uncomfortable. It would make them have to do healing work. And I don't want to be the person to say, you need to heal, right? Because I've done that. And I've been that person. And it's not always the most helpful. It kind of, it's sometimes it shuts people down. Sometimes it makes me stand in a place where I know the answer and I really don't, right? All I know is I have this feeling that we can change this experience. And then I think going back and tapping into like my creative side and like being a storyteller and coming from the world of theater and acting that everything is a story. And I can choose to focus on a part. Of, I well, I only have access one, like you're saying, I have access to only a certain, a limited part of the story. And sometimes I zoom, I have to zoom out and be like, if I'm looking at it from a bird's eye view, like this perspective, what is the entirety of the story? And can that change my direction and my approach to it? I was in for my birthday recently. I did the... I, shared with some friends like a ceremony and and the energy of my my grandfathers came up mm. and it was interesting because they had a really traumatic life i mean from hiding in like the woods running like my grandfather was in an orphanage and had to change the name because there are people that are trying to kill the family in mexico like this really like there's a, a like book novel written about right and i was like man the struggles that go back and i was sitting with that story in the ceremony and then i got these images of them sitting as children my what my what i perceive them right because obviously i didn't know them as children mm -hmm. but i got them and they're sitting there and they were surrounded by this calmness and this light and in their mind i saw them being thinking about their mothers and the people that they love and being comforted and then them having the ability to self-soothe and to calm their own nervous system and they're them thinking about them their thoughts were not about all the shitty thing that was going around, but it was about the beautiful moment that they experienced. And I, I came out thinking, I was like, damn, I would been choosing this whole time to think about like, man, my grandfather, my great grandfather had such a shitty upbringing, like their childhood, like the trauma, I have to get in there and heal their trauma. And then this little story, the snippet of this, like this piece in the, this moment in the ceremony gave me pause and said, wait a minute, Daniel, that's what you're putting onto their story. That's what you're choosing to focus on. Can you, cho can you choose to focus on those moments of their story where they felt the love, they felt gratitude, where just like I'm sitting here saying, I'm thinking about my legacy and the impact and I wanna have a positive impact. They did the same thing because somewhere that was instilled for me. 
So it's a saying has been said, like, just like all the trauma can be passed down, all the beauty and love is also passed down. Mm-hmm. And the resilience. So that's why I go back to, that's why it's labor, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's why it's me continuously being like, what can I do for myself? Not for anyone else. What can I do for myself to feel fully present and capable of taking that and making the choice that's going to be right for my life now and my legacy? Yeah, no, I I appreciate that. Um, something that came up for me when you're talking too is, yeah. um, when AJ was on the podcast, um, her and I, 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 it was so good because it reignited this like visceral fire within me around the work that I do, storytelling and and things like that. And you know, one of the gifts that I really do give folks in reflecting them is oftentimes people will have um language and a perception around their lived experience and they'll tell that story and i will hear that story and regift it to them with how i see it which is often incredibly brave resilient and so it's not a focus on all the mm-hmm. bad things that have happened to me all the bad things that i've done it's pulling out that resilience that's hidden and buried buried within that you know and it strikes me that that's what i'm attempting to do with my family too yeah. But the fear of saying, acknowledging all the quote unquote bad stuff, I think part of it is I'm not looking at it as bad stuff. It just is stuff. It is. Let's just say what is. And then, you know, we don't have to sugarcoat anything. The fact that I'm here where I am, I owe a debt of gratitude for those who came before me and all the hard decisions they've had to make and the resilience that got passed down. I'm here and ready to not just acknowledge it, but help other people see that, you know, but it, it's, it's this, it's this, it's this pain, this frustration, this fear that, you know, I think what it really comes down to is I don't like being denied. I don't like being denied what I feel like is rightfully mine. Mm-hmm. I feel like this information, this knowledge mm-hmm. and this, mm-hmm. this opportunity to do with it, what I will, it, it, it's a birthright yeah. to, to, to have my legacy or my my lineage given to me um and i'm even saying you ain't got give it to me in the tatters that you have it i'm not asking by to fix it or make it pretty just give it to me and so that that just came up for me i feel like i'm being denied what is rightfully mine and and that hurts but i also want to say like part of me You know, I, I I trend towards more vulnerable, I think, when you compare me to like most of the world. But this feels particularly vulnerable because it's not just my story. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I, I understand that, you know, I'm talking about a whole family. I, I'm talking about two sides of two different legacies and, and things. But yeah, that I just want folks to know, like, um, I've been told too many times that I make things look easy. About a whole bunch of stuff. And this is me saying this shit ain't easy. It's confusing, it's hurtful, it's joyous, it's regular, it's 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 so many things. And and yeah. I I I know there are people out there feeling like maybe feeling like they're all over the place and I I just want to reflect that. I also understand why people don't want to start. Like yeah. who who willingly and voluntarily goes into this? I I hear it all. 
You know, Daniel, something you were saying, bringing it back to your labor of love that I want to make sure I get a chance to say is one, I want to talk about the cycle of love. And that that is what I feel like you embody, which is this thing where the more we are loved, the more we give love. Um, And in some ways, it is my belief that there's there's kind of a multiple um, varying ways you can look at it. I think there is the very intentional action of love when I give love. But honestly, what we're full of is what overflows. So when you're around someone who is full of dysregulation, you're going to get dysregulated communication. You're going to get dysregulated connection. When you are around someone who's full of regulation, you're going to get regulated connection, regulated communication. So this, this thing about love that I've experienced in my own life and watched so many people experience is why I love the coaching and therapeutic relationship, because I get to be a person that sits and loves a person genuinely. And even if I'm the only person in their life in that moment, who's doing it, they're starting to go, Oh, this is what it feels like. Oh, this is what this hour feels like. I like what this feels like. Then we start saying, so what does it feel like? Where do you feel it in your body? Where else can you start to get this? How else can you start to give it to yourself? The more a person starts to fill up with their love, the more other people are just getting it by proxy, by by being near the person. And then that person gets to a point where when they're overflowing with it, people can't help but receive it. And it's like this whale analogy that I usually use when I'm working with relationships, which is ideally we're all a well. We are all a well. And ideally, as we're growing up, people are filling our wells. Our family systems, our social structures, uh, all of that, our connection to spirit, filling our well. And as the well feels, as we move into relationship with other folks, we are moving into those relationships with a full well. And the goal is because my well is full, I can pour into yours. And your well is full, you can pour into mine. And so the well really doesn't go empty. We just keep sharing. We keep sharing what's in our yeah. wells. Yeah. Well, life, life be life. And right. So some of us, we didn't get our wells filled. Maybe we got partial filling. Maybe we didn't get a lot. Some of us got filled, but then holes were drilled into our wells called yeah. trauma and they start pouring out. Well, then we get to certain relationships. And the, the key here is everyone wants a full well. Everyone wants a full well. So sometimes we move into a relationship and then we go, ooh, you need to fill my well. So we go get a job. We're in relationship with that job and our well is partially empty. So we're expecting that job to fill our well. But the job is not responsible for filling the well from depletion. It's just responsible for giving what it's supposed to give and you give what it's supposed to give. So some of us have learned if I give more of my well to this relationship, then they'll take the cue. And they'll give more into mine. But, oh, do we get disappointed almost every single time we do that, right? (laughs) What I hear you saying is you've paused to go, how can I fill my well? My Mm -hmm. well needs to be filled. And that's that self-love. That's one of the ways I conceptualize it. I, I had to go, I can't show up the way I'm supposed to show up if my well is not full. And yeah. so for me, I didn't learn to fill my well first. Jay filled my well first. And once he did that, I was like, Whoa, wait a minute. 
the levels have never been above this. Like I thought my well was full when it was like a quarter to a half full. When it started to get the three fourths, I'm like, what is this? Yeah. I didn't this even know it yeah. could go up here, right? Yeah. And and so now and then what I was trying to do is I was trying to repay him for filling my well by giving extra yep. and extra. And he goes, I don't need your extra. I came full. Ooh, we give so much love word. right now and appreciation for that. And I just wanted to like jump in really quick because it's saying that part that like, yes to all that. And that moment that you said when he or when, when Jay said, I don't need you to give me any of your well. It's so beautiful and so important. Something that took me so long to learn that like our choice to give from our well is our choice. Mm -hmm. It's not something we have to do. If I want to walk around with my well full and just live in that moment, feel that in my body, sit with that, sit and smile because I patched up my holes that came from trauma because I cleared up some like debris that was in there, right? Like my water feels fresh, filtered, like natural. And I just want to sit with that. That's okay. I think going back to like this capitalist mindset, right, of giving, like it also was ingrained in me that I had to give. I had to fill my well so that I can give. Mm -hmm. So I had our to stop worth myself too. Is in our giving that part, right? And I had to reframe that. My worth is in my ability to love myself. What is that, right? And then the other part too, like on a very personal level with the well, I love it. Is like I had to. I realize it. It took me a minute, but I realized now that I had a dam on my well, mm. right? Because I was giving all this love. But when people try to show me love, I was like, it made me uncomfortable. Or no, I don't need it. Just let me keep giving you love because that's mm. what fills my well. Mm. Actually, that wasn't filling my well. It was depleting it. It was depleting it. And I was only able to give from this top half, right? Because there was a dam that was keeping all this depth. And now I've allowed that to break. And I've allowed myself to give myself that love, to allow others to give myself that, that to give me that love and just oh. sit in it for a minute. And I'm it's just beautiful sit in it for a to sit in it. And yeah. what that practically looks like for me is historically, I went through challenging times alone. Mm -hmm. um, you know, all the things, strong black woman. I am her. She is me. Go through it alone. And then once I got through it, you know what? My test became my testimony. And now I'm going to testify of what I've been through um, to give others hope. You know, mm -hmm. I felt mm -hmm. like it was a genuine place, like to give hope. You can do this to encourage, to empower. When it just didn't occur to me, I never, I did not see anyone represent, show or tell me Girl, you ain't got to go through that by yourself. There are right. people who will travel with you. And so in the last couple of weeks, I, I, it wasn't like a conscious thing. Like I set out to do it. But when I did it, I went, oh my God, I've hit a new level of healing. I knew something was coming and I was proactive in reaching out to my support. And it was mm -hmm. like, hey, this is something that's coming up. I might need you. I might not. I don't know what I'm going to need. I might be cool, but I'm just putting you on notice. And I did that to four different people. And then when I realized that I went, wow, Shonda, that's new. The, the, in the mist, not even in the mist, the, the 
preemptive, I'm going to lean on my support is something I have never, ever done. Mm-hmm. I I got to the point where in the middle, probably not even middle, three fourths done with something, I go, oh, wait, this is hard. Let me ask for help. Right now, yeah. Jay being looking at me physically every day annoying me the way he does like he's there 100 but even still knowing it i would still try to subconsciously keep it in get through it it's fine i don't want to burden someone but yet when i help others i don't think of them as a burden so i had to go like helping me is not a burden loving me is not a burden and over the last week i am i said i am not a burden and i said out loud for the first time in my life in 40 i think i'm 41 41 years i am not hard to love and that thing broke something open that allowed some of my littles that have been carrying that narrative I'm hard to love, so we got to be as burdenless as possible. We have to make it easy for people to love us. We have to sacrifice, conform, shapeshift. We got to do all of this because it's hard to love us. We're hard to love, so let's make it easy. And when I declared out loud, I am not hard to love, another chain that was shackling my littles opened, right? And then my well, all of a sudden, yes. So my littles get some of this well too, because it the well isn't just there to pour out to others. Sometimes the well is there to sustain us. And there are parts of me that weren't getting, getting the well. They weren't getting it. And I got to go, no, this is for you too. Come drink, come bathe, come swim, yes. come float. Yes. Like this yeah. is for you too. And so when you say loving myself, celebrating myself like that is a labor of love that has its ripple effects, but it gets to ripple with us too. I'm taking all that in and I know you can see my um, smile and I'm like the glowing and the light up and the healing that just happened. And, and that that's what, that's it right there. When we do that, all the mm. other stuff happens. It, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that all the other stuff, all the other things has happened. They're happening. Mm. Because we did this. We, we loved this. ourselves. We celebrated. Mm. We out loud said, I'm not a burden. I'm not hard to love. I am love. And mm. this is how I love. Yes. And my love is messy sometimes. And my love is fast sometimes. And my love changes. And my love moves. And my love is water. It's fluid. It's strong and powerful. It's deep. It's shallow. Sometimes it's ice, right? Like all yeah. these things, like all these things that can happen. That is my love. And I'm learning to understand my love and how I'm able to give it to myself first and fill up my well and sit and enjoy that. And I'm acknowledging, accepting that that's going to have a ripple effect on others. Mm. I absolutely love that we got all this way and didn't talk a single time about like, how you show up in the world for work. So I, those are the best, right? <laughs> yeah. But as we, yeah. Yeah. you know, take this medicine and allow us, so I'm just going to invite us and the listeners to just take a breath. Mm-hmm. I know it was good because I don't remember what I was saying. So I'm going to have to go back and listen just like everybody else. So that's how I know it's good. But as we just take in all that was said and shared, mm-hmm. like, It's not just me. You're not hard to love. I know you've been told it. 
I know it's been demonstrated that you're not hard to love. And just allow that to penetrate. You're not a burden. You're worthy of love. And so as we sit in that, I want to give Daniel an opportunity to tell folks um, how this labor of love shows up in the form of work and how folks might, if they're interested, get in touch with you. Uh, I don't even want to call it work because I don't feel like, you know, I do stuff. I it don't really be feeling like work, but in what capacity <laughs> could people connect with you? What could that look like? And then how can they find you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I like to do a bunch of different things, but if in this capacity of how healing shows up, how creativity show up, uh, I also do some producer work for experiential events and all those things. So I think uh best way, shoot me an email, Daniel Penia Presente at gmail.com. And that's uh Presente is P-R-E-S-E-N-T-E. Um, my Instagram is uh, Daniel dot um, and talking about, yeah, I, I'm open to what feels right. Right. I think like we find our vibes and we find the frequencies that we need in the moment. So I do things. If this feels like it's a vibe, like reach out to me and we'll figure out what things we can do together is yeah. the simplest answer, right? The, the simplest non-worky answer. I can yeah. give you a resume and all that stuff, but I do things. Let's do some things together. Good people doing good things is what I love. I love that. And as you were talking, we're going to have to get a thespian episode together from all of us from CHJL who who have used the arts. There's a lot of us who use art, creativity, um, and self-expression to further healing in a way that is so beautiful. So as you were talking about that, I was like, yeah, we're going to have to get all us together and just like really talk about the impact of art, music, movement, creativity, all that good stuff. But um, obviously, y'all, Daniel's information will be in our show notes. I want to just take a moment to just thank you for taking time out to be with me, to be uh, with my listeners and share your beautiful labor of love. Thank you so much. Of course. For having me. So much gratitude. Yes. Um, My usuals, y'all. Shout out to Jay Sugg, who is my producer from Instant Classic Media. My nephew, Trey Angel, provides all the music for the Labors of Love podcast. Shout out to Steph, who is taking care and holding down the social media for Labors of Love. And especially you, my listeners. I keep telling y'all we're getting we're itching closer and closer to 70,000 downloads and streams. It's not a radio station. It does not happen by accident. The fact that you keep tuning in means so much to me. I hope me and my guests are giving you as much life as, as it's giving me. Um, don't forget, I do have a Patreon if you want to support my work. I'm going to have to come back and do a solo cast to tell you how that's morphed for me. But the Patreon is still out there. going out there and support me on all the major social media outlets. And as usual, if you have suggestions for content or guests, hit up my website, www.thelaborsoflove.com. I'd love to hear from you. Um, yeah, until we connect again, you all be well.